amazing event to read and study the life of Christ. You began reading and you realized that while Jesus had existed in the form of God, living in heaven with God, he willingly chose to come and walk among sinful men and to give his life as a ransom for many. His purpose on earth was to seek and to save the lost, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. He came preaching repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That kingdom was the church. When we get to John chapter 3, we are introduced to a man by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was in conversation with the Lord about this kingdom of which the Lord was speaking. And Jesus insisted that in, one, in order to enter the kingdom of God must be born again. Obviously, as you hear that read, and it's, I've heard it and read it so many times, the words just seem to resonate in our mind. Nicodemus didn't understand what it meant to be born again. And his mind was the physical birth, but what Jesus was trying to illustrate to him that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And then he said to him, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. Sometimes teaching people to be baptized is a challenge. I can't tell you how many times I've sat across a table or a desk and looked at someone and we've talked about being baptized for the remission of sins. And when you talk about faith, there's always, okay, I understand, I've got to believe. You explain repentance involves sorrow for your sins that you've committed, and people will say, yes, I know I've got to do that. And when you look and say to them, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? They'll say, yes, I believe that. But then you say, you must be baptized. And that's where people sometimes stop. Many people have their own personal hang-ups. And there are sometimes many for various reasons. Well, tonight, what I want to do for just a few minutes is to look at three biblical personalities and what might have been some issues of getting into the water and how those problems were answered. And then I want to end with a call, if you will, for each of us to evaluate whether or not we've done that, and if we've not, why might we have given an excuse? So we're going to talk about Naaman, we're going to talk about Paul, we're going to talk about the eunuch, and then we're going to talk about what is your excuse. If you will, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm not going to read those first few verses. We'll just simply summarize verses 1 through 9 as we prepare to study this. When you are introduced to Naaman, he is the commander of the Syrian army. That's a very important position. He's not just one of the generals. He's the commander of this Syrian army. And the text describes him as a mighty man of valor. He didn't get that position because he was fearful. He was a man willing to step up and enter the um, fray of the battle and he had demonstrated that he was a leader of men but we learn he was also a leper 
A leper was a man with a serious skin disease. And what's so sad, it was like a number of diseases that a person might have today. There's, there's things you could do to try to relieve some of the symptoms, but it ultimately was life-claiming. Eventually, a person, if their leprosy proceeded, that their skin would actually fall off their bones. He knew that after that leprosy developed that he was going to have some kind of miserable life. But there was a servant girl there who remembered that there was a prophet in Israel. And that prophet could do some miraculous things. And if you were only there in Israel, you could have that healing. And so Naaman arranged with the king of Syria to have a letter written to the king of Judah. Money or a gift was provided so that he could pay for this healing. When the money and Naaman arrives, the letter is read before the king of Israel. He tears his clothes. He can't believe that here he is. He's being challenged to heal the man. I can't heal anybody. But Elisha sends a message to inform the king that There is healing. And so now we get to verses 10. And I just want you to pick up with me verse 10 because Naaman has now arrived at Elisha's house and here is the response. And Elisha sent his messenger to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious And went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Well, I can just see the pomp and circumstance of Naaman arriving at his house. Perhaps there are soldiers riding around him, and he gets off in his you know, outfit, and the servant of Elijah come, Elisha comes up and says, here's what my master says. Here's the requirement. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and then you'll be clean. The response was, I think, rather unexpected. Here's a man who's come a long way, brought a lot of money with him, and all he wants is to be clean, and now he's mad because he doesn't like the requirement. He raged and refused. Thankfully for Naaman, his servant interceded and begged him and pleaded with him. He said, Master, if he told you to do something great, you would have done it. That just seems to be so simple. So when Naaman complied, he was healed. Amazing results. Now, what kind of things can I draw from this? 
Well, Naaman needed to get past the view of his own self. He thought, here I am, I'm a great man. It requires something difficult, something challenging. I, this is not something for every man, this is for me. Sometimes people think it needs to be something great. When you're trying to tell someone to obey the gospel and they say, you need to be baptized. Why do I need to be baptized? Well, that's what God said. Oh, but that, that, that just appears to be too, too simple, too ordinary, so to speak. He also had to get past perceived insult of Elisha. Elisha didn't come out and wave his hand. Elisha sent out his servant. Sometimes we feel as if God should tell me himself what he wants me to do. He shouldn't have to send one of his servants. He shouldn't have to have someone else to declare his message for, me, for him. He needed to get past his own thoughts of how it ought to be done. You see, in his mind, dipping in water didn't seem to be that important or that significant. And if it was dipping in water, was it not better to go back to Damascus to do that? And the purity of the waters that were there. He said, behold, I said to myself. Sometimes we have to be careful when we talk to ourselves because the person talking to us doesn't know any more than anybody else. And he had to get past all of those things and what he really needed to do was get over himself and get in the water because that's where the healing was to be found. You know, tonight, and you think about yourself, if you've not yet been baptized, do you have a little bit of Naaman in you? A little bit of resistance, a little bit of hesitancy to say that, you know, why should I have to submit to that? Would well, you want to be clean? Do you want your sins washed away? Let's talk about Paul now for just a few minutes. We're going to go backwards from Acts 26 to Acts 22 to Acts 9 as Paul recounts his conversions. And I want to begin with Acts 26 because in Acts 26, Paul is giving his defense before Agrippa and Festus. And he knows that Festus may not know everything, but Agrippa knows a lot. He said in verse 9, Indeed, I myself thought that I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul said, I, I really had my mind made up. This is where you do it. But you drop down to verse 12. While I was thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me, speaking to me and saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said... Who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. You see, Paul is explaining to us that he really thought in the beginning that what he needed to do was resist. That he ought to work against Jesus. And what Jesus said, now let's go back to chapter 22, because we're going to have something revealed here about what Paul heard and what he did. 
He said, And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all the things which are appointed for you to do. Now pause for just a moment now. You, you think about Paul, and here he gets to Damascus, and what are you going to do? I don't know. I've got to listen for someone to tell me. Well, there's a guy who comes in. His name is Ananias, verse 16 here. And now while you're waiting, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's what Paul was supposed to do. Now one more time, let's go to Acts chapter 9 and let's look at verses 9 through 11. Because we learned a little bit about what had been taking place since Paul had arrived and prior to Ananias' instruction. And Luke records that he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple named Ananias and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to a street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. He's praying. He's searching. Now, let me step back and and look at Paul and his view of himself. He looked at himself and he says, I was a committed persecutor of the church. In fact, in Galatians 1, verses 13 and 14, he says, I wanted to persecute it so bad, he said, I tried to destroy the church. He said, I was even more zealous than many of my contemporaries of those of my own nation. Paul had been schooled to think this way. The leadership of Jerusalem had tried to instill in these young men like Paul a prejudice against the church. That Jesus was nothing more than a charlatan. Acts 22, 3-5, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our Father's law, and was zealous toward God as you are all today. Now pause with me for just a second. Here's a man raised, if you will, in a different religious thought. He'd been trained, you don't do what they're telling you to do. While waiting for Ananias, he did all that he knew to do. Pray. And so as you look in Acts 9 and verse 11... Ananias, when you get there to that house at the street called Straight, you're going to find Saul there praying. I know he's been there three days. He's been there without food and without drink. Now, why is Paul waiting? Ananias, why are you waiting? Why are you tarrying? Did he know enough? Well, on this occasion, he didn't. He didn't know what to do. He needed somebody to tell him what to do. And that's what Ananias' purpose was. 
was this message from God. Now he knows it's from God because he has been told after seeing the light. You know, sometimes I meet people and they don't really believe because of their religious background that they need to be baptized because a preacher somewhere at some time told them, faith only will save you. Somewhere in the long line, people need to step back and say, did I know the truth? Or had somebody deceived me? Had the religion I've been a part of showed me something that was incorrect? Why are you waiting? Is there a sense of urgency about doing it now? Well, sure there is. Wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. Ananias did not have to say, Saul, hurry up now, come on. Once he knows what he needs to do, he's going to be baptized. What Paul needed was to get over himself and to get in the water and be cleansed and then get on about the business of serving the Lord. Number three, let's talk about the eunuch. You go with me to Acts chapter 8. The section begins at verse 26 going through verse 29. We're not going to look at all of that. I know that uh, there's so much interesting. If you study each of these accounts of conversion, here's a man who works under Candace, the queen of uh, the Ethiopians. He's a eunuch. There's so much about that. But I want to read verses 35 through 38. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said to him, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. You see, the background is the eunuch had come from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem to worship God. What does that tell you about this man? He's now, as Philip goes up and joins himself to the chariot, reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he's going to ask the question, of whom does this prophet speak, himself or some other man? I I want to know there's some information here that I need to have. Well, as the text says, he began at that scripture and preached Jesus to him, preached the kingdom of heaven to him, preached the requirements to him. He said, well, how do you know he did that? See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, let me, for just a moment, put this in the background that may can help you identify a little bit with the eunuch. When he's reading Isaiah 53... He was a lamb led to the slaughter. You know he's talking about Jesus. But you see, if you're reading along in Isaiah 53, there's got to be something there that jumped out at him. You see, because here he is, he's gone to the temple in Jerusalem, and for all the desire that he has to worship God, he can't go in. 
I want you to imagine if only Christians could come in this building to worship. And somebody makes a journey from a long way. Maybe they come from Texas. Or maybe they come from Maine. And they say, I've come here to worship you, okay. But you've got to stand outside the door. You can't really come in. Well, why can't I come in? Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. He's a eunuch. Most likely he's been mutilated by some man to serve in the queen's court. He can't come in. But you see, he's still reading from Isaiah 53. And when you get over to Isaiah 56, all those first few verses are so powerful. Isaiah 56, beginning with verse 3, going through verse 5. Do not let the foreigners say, who has joined himself to the Lord, speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Listen carefully. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Do you see the excitement? Here's a man who knows he can't go in, but God says, those righteous ones who come to me, I'm going to give them a place. And that applies to you eunuchs. He had get past his lot in life and do what was necessary to save his soul. You want me to tell you what happens with so many people? They come and they say, I know what I need to do, but you don't understand my situation in life. And the truth is, I don't understand many times. I've not lived the life that many people have lived. I've not had the difficulties and the problems which they have had. But one thing I do know, regardless of your background, regardless of the lot that you have been cast into, your soul is still important. And just like the eunuch here, Philip came and he treated this man with all the respect. And when the eunuch said, see, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip didn't look at him and say, well, you're a eunuch and you can't be baptized. You can't come into the Lord's kingdom. He didn't say that at all. He said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. You may be here tonight. and You may be a a person who's struggling with sin that has made you and your life look awful. And you may think you're not worthy. But your soul is really impressed. Now, let's talk about some excuses for just a moment. Because I really want it to be personal. I really want each of us to think, if you're not a Christian, and, and by the way, um, this past Friday morning, I went and sat down next to my aunt on the second pew, which would be like right here. 
And that's where she was sitting for the funeral of her son. And I said, this pew is really important to me. And she says, why is that? I said, because Mama Bessie was sitting right there where you're sitting, and I was sitting on the end of the pew the Sunday morning that I was baptized. You see, it's easy for us to put ourselves into position, and we don't think about, I need to be baptized. I do. And if you've not done that, you know, here it is, February the 11th, 2018, Sunday night service. Somebody says, you know, I didn't come here with the thoughts on being baptized, but maybe I need to. Some people have allowed their personal prejudices that have been put in them for generations, maybe, to say, maybe I don't need to be baptized. Luke 7 and verse 30, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. I don't want to reject God's will, and I hope you don't either. Some young people fear the taunts of their peers. Yes, people sometimes make fun of you. I endured that. Some of you endured that. I don't know what Paul was treated like by those who were his friends after his conversion. But I've got to imagine that some of them looked and said, you did what? You were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You may be very educated and you feel like, do I need to submit to something like being immersed in water. Oh, I think about Naaman and how he must have thought, I'm above dipping in the River Jordan. Every time I go back home, I often think about one man there who had mistreated his wife all of her life. He made her life miserable, but he brought her to church every Sunday morning. I can just see the car pulling up and parking under the big oak tree there. And I remember the day that he was baptized. The only talk about him was the thrill of seeing a man change his life. Because he now has the hope of heaven where he did not. The married may think, what's my spouse going to say? What are they going to think if tonight I make the decision to be baptized? If they love you, I know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to throw their arms around you and hug your neck and be thrilled with who you have become. Paul and Naaman needed someone to say, get in the water. It's time. The eunuch needed someone to say, you are acceptable to God. God will take you. What is holding you back? We're going to sing the song, Let Him Have His Way With Thee. Here's what you need to do tonight. If you are not a Christian, I really want to please ask you to Think seriously 
about the choice. And if you want to be saved, if you want to go to heaven, if you want your sins forgiven, come down here, sit on the front. We'll ask you if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and then we'll baptize you for the remission of your sins. And if you're a Christian and you realize, hey, I've not been living it, it's my time to come home and do what's right, please come while together we stand and sing.